Welcome back to another edition of the Post-Sermon Wrap-Up Podcast. I am Pastor Scott. And this is Pastor Kevin. And we are here to break down this past Sunday's sermon on... Break it down. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 11, gifted for unity. Um, Kevin, you uh, really spoke to the nature of how this passage um, really kind of goes into the subject of spiritual gifts. It's a little bit more maybe subtle than some of the other passages that speak to it, but very fascinating coming off of a a, a passage in verses 1 through 6 that really speaks to unity and oneness and then kind of transitions here in verse 7 now to diversity. diversity yes. So help us understand what is Paul doing? Why is, uh, why is he making this shift here? How does diversity work in the unity that he's talking about here and what is that how does that play into this idea of building up uh the body yeah well that's a great question and you gave me like a big big question to start with uh, here so it, you, I, <laughs> I like I have it. full confidence <laughs> in you, so. so you know let's let's remember the context right so the first three chapters are all about our gospel calling everything that god has done for us to make us his new humanity out of Jew and Gentile. He's made one new body of the church so that it'd be for his glory in the church. Therefore, chapter four, Mm -hmm. we are to walk in a way that's consistent with that calling. And that walk is going to show up in such a consistent way of gospel consistency when we are not uniform Mm -hmm. and all the same with one Mm -hmm. another's, but when we are actually... uh, reflecting the gospel oneness of Christ in all mm-hmm. of our diversity. Mm-hmm. So verse 7 says, Grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And, and we understand from the parallel passages in Romans chapter 12 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in 1 Peter chapter 4 mm-hmm. that this is the Paul's language for spiritual gifts. The grace that was given to us is referring mm-hmm. to a grace gift. It's, mm-hmm. it's literally this... This literally, the word means grace gift. It's it's a, it's a spiritual gift, is what we talk about. And so these spiritual gifts mm-hmm. is basically here's a way I like to say it, Scott. Mm-hmm. It's God giving you grace mm-hmm. for me, and it's mm-hmm. God giving me it's grace. It's regifting for you. Mm-hmm. So God gives grace to each of His children mm-hmm. for the benefit mm-hmm. of others. Mm-hmm. So the grace we've received is not for ourselves. To, it's to serve others. Mm-hmm. And in that way, the whole body is built up. And mm-hmm. verse 10 says, Christ fills all things mm-hmm. by the expansion of his body, mm-hmm. being built up in love. What I'm saying it's the uh, it's the Christmas regifting, right? This is the good type <laughs> of gifting where it's given for the sake of others. But, I mean, you make a good point here about how really... God's glory and unity is even more magnified with greater diversity. It right? is. Whenever the church operates in greater unity, especially with the more diverse it is, whether you're talking about ethnicities or giftedness, yeah. the more God's glory is put on display oh. rather than just everybody being uniform and like-minded, you know, just in one kind of yeah. tribe, if you will. So The world knows that birds of the same feather already flock together. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, that's what the church of Jesus Christ has shrunk to. Mm-hmm. We have 
black churches, we have white churches, we have wealthy churches, we have poor churches, mm-hmm. and 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 that that falls short of the glory of God. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. God's like, no, 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 it's one body. No mm-hmm. more Jew and Gentile. No more all these barriers are these walls of division. Mm-hmm. Like the gospel breaks all that down, and the mystery of oneness is revealed in a supernatural way because it's all by grace. Mm-hmm. It's all by grace. So let's unpack that a little bit more when we talk about this idea of spiritual gifts because uh, I think Sunday's sermon was hopefully very helpful and very freeing to people, but there still could be just a little bit of cloudiness here because we're trying to really, in many ways, I think the way I was explaining it was just trying to almost demystify a little bit of yeah. our understanding of spiritual gifts. De-freak. Right? We, the de-freak, yeah. I think you, you did use that term. I did. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of times like this over-spiritualized version, and we don't want to undersell because obviously right. the, it is God's spirit that is at work in us, but maybe what, maybe just help our listeners think about like what are some of the wrong ways that we view spiritual gifts and maybe uh, I think you put it just what are maybe some man-centered ways that we approach spiritual gifts and what is actually happening when we talk about spiritual gifts in the scripture yeah so here's uh, my favorite way to explain this Scott is to talk about the difference between a man-centered approach to spiritual gifts and a God-centered approach Mm -hmm. to spiritual gifts So a man-centered approach is going to always put the emphasis on man. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be on man's experience, Mm -hmm. on man's um, uh, distinctions, you know, like on man's feelings, on man's emotions, on man's uh, evaluation of things. Mm -hmm. And so if you approach spiritual gifts from a perspective of a man-centeredness, your, your focus is always going to be on determining what is my gift. What has God given to me? You see how, how mm-hmm. self becomes the center of that. Mm-hmm. Versus a God-centered approach to spiritual gifts is putting God at the center and mm-hmm. saying, God is the giver of grace for others. He's given me grace. And so now the focus is not so much on my experience and my evaluation and my determination of what gifts are. But now the focus is on how can I take the grace that God has given me Mm -hmm. and use it to build up his body for his glory. Mm -hmm. And so functionally, practically, that looks like a difference of whether I'm talking about spiritual gifts and approaching it from a spiritual gifts test or whether I'm talking about spiritual gifts from the focus of the ministry needs and opportunities in the church that's around me right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think even what you're saying there uh, reminds me, you had a line uh, Sunday that I think was powerful, maybe it's worth unpacking a little bit more, is I think you had said it in the way that you discover your gift kind of through your ministry rather than discovering your ministry through your gift. So right. what do we? why is that order important there, and how do we see that usually impacting the church, right. rightly or wrongly? Well, if I'm trying to discover my ministry through my gift. In other words, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what my gift is first yeah. so that then I can figure out what ministry I should be part of. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm, I'm putting myself and my feelings and my assessments at the center of my ministry, mm-hmm. which is the wrong foundation for all ministry. Mm-hmm. The foundation for all ministry is the glory of God and the sacrifice of self, mm-hmm. not the determination of self. And so 
a God-centered approach is going to say, no, I'm going to discover my gift through my ministry. In other words, I'm going to look for opportunities to serve Mm -hmm. and to share God's grace with others. And then as I do that, I'm going to see what my gift actually is because I'm going to Mm -hmm. see God's really using me in this particular ministry. I had no clue that God would use me like this Mm -hmm. in the nursery. I had no clue that God would use me like this in the sound booth. I had no clue that God would use me like this in the greeters. But now that I've been serving and filling a real true need that the church body had, others are affirming and I'm starting to see, wow, God's given me more grace and sharing his grace with others in that way. This is something I want to focus more on because I'm so satisfied and so encouraged when God is glorified through my life in that way. Yeah. I think this is just a really helpful topic because, yeah, so often you see people kind of immobilized or saying, like, I don't really want to start serving until I, like, have clarity on this. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, and sometimes I try not to under-spiritualize things, but also just helping people say, like, listen, like, what are your interests? What are your hobbies? Like, what are the things you enjoy doing? Because guess what? There's going to be a way that you can use that somehow in the church, right? Like, man, you're an excellent, uh, you know, excellent food and baking and things well guess what we have you know meal ministries constantly that are in need of stuff here right you have people now tech people right like there are all kinds of trust me if you have if you have tech (laughs) skills right now that you're hiding from us you need to come talk to us because there are some significant ministry opportunities like you're not going to find that you know in the lists of romans 12 or first corinthians 12 and and those lists aren't, as we talk about all the time, they're not meant to be exhaustive. They they are descriptive of categories of things, but they're I mean, representative. They're, they're not, representative. They're not exactly. restrictive. Yeah, yeah. So very helpful, I think. So let's let's maybe camp out a little bit on some of the areas that uh, Sunday you mentioned just were challenged just for a time. There was so much stuff to get through here. But let's give some attention to your your third point. You had talked about how one of the expressions of God giving gifts to men is God giving leaders, God giving spiritual, gifted people people to the church. And verse 11 talks about that, how he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to uh, equip the saints for the work of ministry, which we're going to get to in the coming weeks about that specific ministry that they had been given but talk about these four different uh, roles here, because that pastor teacher one that that you know it looks like there's five, but there's actually four there. Right. So help us understand the nature of these roles, because uh, you know you made a, a pretty uh, clear statement on Sunday that you don't believe that actually all these still exist today. So right. maybe just help us understand what what was the difference maybe between these four different roles, and then how do we see those in operation today in the church? Yeah. So big picture, um, you know, there are some gifts, some spiritual gifts that are called sign gifts. In other words, these are gifts that are particularly given to evidence or authenticate a messenger of God as being from God mm-hmm. <laughs> in order so that their message would be believed. So you see the sign gifts, particularly in operation in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in those those time periods when Scripture is being revealed, when when um, mm-hmm. uh, the prophets are speaking God's word to God's people and God authenticates his word with the miraculous, the supernatural, the gifts, the signs, the wonders, and those type of things. So generally speaking, those gifts are called sign gifts. And, and uh, a sign gift might be the gift of 
miraculous healing, mm-hmm. the gift of um, uh, speaking in tongues, the gift of um, uh, foretelling the future, you know, kind of a pro- prophesying or predicting the future. Um, those type of, of miraculous supernatural expressions mm-hmm. are sign gifts. They authenticate the message. Mm-hmm. And we know that because if you go to Hebrews, uh, just even Hebrews chapter 2, um, Paul, or I don't know who actually wrote Hebrews. I don't know if it's Paul or not. But the author of Hebrews is saying, um, he's talking about this great salvation in, in verse 3 of chapter 2. And he says, it was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard the message of salvation from the Lord. They, they heard it. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So mm-hmm. Hebrews 2.4 is kind of a classic text that talks about sign gifts, these mm-hmm. gifts that are miraculous, they're supernatural. And the purpose of these gifts are what? To bear witness mm-hmm. of the message of salvation that was being proclaimed by signs and wonders and various miracles. Okay? So... I believe an apostle Mm -hmm. and a New Testament prophet is part of these sign gifts that have Mm -hmm. ceased once the canon of Scripture has been recognized by the church and received by the church. And and now, so if you just think through this with me a little Mm -hmm. bit, technically speaking, if you were to define an apostle, Mm -hmm. technically speaking, an apostle, according to Acts chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, an apostle was an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, I know Jesus, mm-hmm. and I love Jesus, mm-hmm. but I am not an eyewitness mm-hmm. to his resurrection. The eyewitnesses to Jesus' physical rec- resurrection all passed away within the first century. Mm-hmm. Nobody's still alive that was an eyewitness. But technically speaking, according to Acts chapter 1, verses 2 to 3, and also Acts chapter 1, verses 21 to 22, an apostle was someone who was an eyewitness of the resurrection. Even Paul himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that uh, he, he saw the Lord himself out of due season because mm-hmm. he was kind of a late bloomer, if you will, <laughs> yeah. as an apostle, right? And so... Mm-hmm. But the, Lord, the resurrected Christ appeared to him. Mm-hmm. To be an apostle, you had to receive a specific commissioning from Christ himself. And you see that in Acts chapter 1, in Romans 1, and in 1 Timothy 2. All of these uh, scriptures, by the way, I'm just reading right now off of footnote number 24 in my sermon manuscript. <laughs> yeah. and, and I just want to put a plug in here, right, for, hey, we, we can't fit all of the glory of our sermon prep mm-hmm. into a Sunday morning. We give you these notes for a reason to be a helpful tool. We want to equip you, so don't don't hesitate at all to go back and look at these footnotes, and hopefully they can be a blessing to you. Every week, those manuscript notes are posted online mm-hmm. for uh, for people to go back and look at later as well. So, what have we said so far? An apostle needs to be an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus. He has to have received a specific commissioning from Christ Himself, and his apostolic ministry needs to be authenticated by supernatural signs and wonders and miracles. Then when you get to Revelation, the last book in the canon of the New Testament, it describes the heavenly city resting on a foundation mm-hmm. of the apostles. And guess what it says? It's a foundation of 12 apostles. 
Mm -hmm. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 says the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Mm -hmm. Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. Therefore, I believe there's strong biblical evidence to suggest that the apostles are no longer present in Christ's church today, Mm -hmm. but their ministry was very, very foundational Mm -hmm. to the church because Mm -hmm. it was through the apostles that Jesus breathed out his New Testament gospel so that Mm -hmm. the church today would have a revelation Mm -hmm. of the gospel of God. So the church is built on that foundation. We're so thankful for the Mm -hmm. apostles. We don't discount their ministry, but the apostles... Ministry no longer functions in the same way mm-hmm. as it did because of the close of the canon and the passing away of those eyewitnesses to his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Any questions about apostles? Yeah, I think that's very clear. That's very helpful, and it makes sense within the the context here of Ephesians, and even just you know Paul, you know, authenticating his ministry and the work of the other apostles who are still at this right. time active and yes. who are doing ministry service. So. There's that, but you're like, well, there's still, you know, he mentions prophets. prophets. There, so what's a prophet? Okay, well, I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, I was really hoping exactly, you would ask. Yeah, I thought so. So, um, so New Testament prophets, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2, are those who are given spiritual understanding of all mysteries and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, in the New Testament, mysteries is not some scooby dooby dooby doo It's actually a reference to this church. It's a reference to something that was previously not revealed, but now has been revealed through God's supernatural revelation. So again, prophets are those who are given spiritual understanding of all mysteries and knowledge. In other words, they're given spiritual revelation from Mm -hmm. God, these New Testament prophets. So these are the people, along with the apostles, that God is revealing the New Testament scriptures to. He's bringing new truth, new revelation to the church, not just through the apostles, mm-hmm. but also the, the New Testament prophets. These would be people that wouldn't have to have had been an eyewitness to Jesus' resurrection themselves, but they're spiritually gifted in some way to have new revelation. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, but that 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3 says that the New Testament prophets were responsible to speak God's truth for three purposes. For edification, that is to build up the body, for encouragement, and for consolation. So the New Testament prophet didn't always speak new revelation like an apostle might. Mm -hmm. The New Testament prophet would often proclaim and preach and teach the revelation that he had heard from an apostle. Remember, in the New Testament Mm -hmm. time, they didn't have books. They didn't have printing press. Mm -hmm. This was still a very oral culture. And so they were depending on the ministry of the apostles and the ministry of the New Testament prophets to proclaim the revelation of God for edification, for encouragement, and consolation. Sometimes the New Testament prophets did speak revelation, particularly Mm -hmm. new from God, just like you see in the prophet Agabus in Acts chapter 11. But other times they just simply taught the revelation that was already given, which is implied in Acts chapter 13, Mm -hmm. verse 1. So New Testament prophets always spoke for God, but they didn't always give a new revelation from God. And it's important to note that New Testament prophets were always subject to the ministry of the apostles. So um, that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, it says, God gave to the church first apostles, second apostles prophets, mm-hmm. third, evangelists, and teachers. In other words, it's a sequence yeah, right, that 1 yeah. Corinthians mm-hmm. 12 
And that's another hint to us that these are foundational gifted people that are no longer active today because now we have evangelists and pastor teachers in the church. So once the canon of scripture was revealed and recognized, the eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection had passed away, the spiritual leadership of the church now transitioned from the foundational offices of apostles and prophets to evangelists and pastor teachers. Okay. So when we think about then pastor teachers, so evangelists, I think we kind of understand the, the work there pastor teacher so why are these ones uh we would say still in operation today versus the other ones yeah and i I used a phrase that comes from a title of a book by uh three different pastors called the creature of the word but i I really firmly believe that the the church of jesus christ is a creature of the word Mm -hmm. christ is the head the word of god is the lifeblood of the church and so the leaders of the church are those who are teachers of the word of god we shepherd Mm -hmm. by the word of god it is Mm -hmm. the word of god that is the that is the lifeblood of God's people together. It is, it is by the word, by the gospel that we're saved, by the word, by the gospel that we are born again and sanctified and strengthened to endure to the end. It is by the word. So it is those who are teachers of the word, pastors and teachers, shepherds and uh, communicators of God's word that are responsible to really lead and uh, care for the flock of God. Great. Well, there's a lot to unpack with all that. I mean, that's uh, that is helpful. It's a very flyover study of leadership roles in the church, but I think a very helpful one that deserves obviously some time to unpack, which we weren't able to on Sunday. But hopefully, is is helpful again, as Pastor Kevin has said here. Just want to encourage the church to study these things, continue asking questions. This this is so foundational as we said to the everything that builds after this with the church um but thankful and will really set the stage well for what we're going to talk about in a couple weeks with why these individuals were given and what for particular purpose and we're hitting our our theme verse for this yes. year in this next section this so. is critical time and so uh, i i called this kind of uh, sheepishly i called this the god's building campaign mm-hmm. you know for his church i mean this is what what I think you're going to actually get to preach the text, right, in a couple weeks. I think weeks. that's right, actually. And yeah. so mm-hmm. verses 12 to 16, it's an amazing, amazing building campaign. of mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's his strategic building project, his plan for strengthening the body. And I pray that this is encouraging for all of us. So mm-hmm. thanks for asking questions. Just uh, one more thing to highlight for if you've listened this long, I've got a bonus for you. On our website, under Missions, Values, and Beliefs, we have a whole list of commonly asked theological Q&As. Mm-hmm. If you have theological questions, there's a good chance one of these questions have been asked before, mm-hmm. and we have answers right there on our website. Yep. Go there and be blessed. And if you Absolutely. have a question that's not there, let us know. We'd love to mm-hmm. add it and keep adding to that all the time for God's mm-hmm. glory and our good together. So we love you, church. We're so blessed to be mm-hmm. in the body of Christ with you. Yes. Thank you. So thankful. Uh, we're going to have a few weeks off just because we got some uh, exciting things the next couple Sundays with some guests, uh, uh, pastors and preachers who are going to be filling the pulpit for us. So we're, we're grateful for that. So we'll be off for a few weeks. We'll be back uh, right uh, at the end of the month here to kind of break down the next section of this. But we're thankful, church. Thank you for being uh, teachable. 
and humble, and uh, we're excited to be able to explore this together with you. So have a great afternoon. We love you.